Hello listeners, and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic, and peer-to-peer veterans program traditionally based in Timor-Leste, and it has a singular vision, to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. For approximately two years, due to the restrictions of COVID-19, we ran slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast with the same vision and same aim. While some activities will continue to run on the Gold Coast, we are pleased to announce that programs in Timor-Leste have recommenced as of May 2022 and will continue to do so moving forwards. We use the Timor Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants either one-on-one or in a group setting and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights that we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics, including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD, and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to uh, the next episode on the Timor Awakening 18 podcast suite sitting down with me next i have greg how you doing my friend i'm doing very well thanks it is fantastic to um have you on the on the podcast and um looking forward to to diving into some of your um your insights into all things defense and transition and what life's like been since then Uh, i guess we'll start off as we usually do if you could just um inform the listeners and i guess myself as well uh, as to what your military background entailed Okay, uh, well I, as a young fellow, always always wanted to be uh, associated with the military of some sort or another. Yep. Um, I don't know why, but it was a very, very strong uh, feeling that I had right throughout my childhood. And as soon as I could, in Australia, I rushed off and I joined the Army Reserve. And I think that was when I was about 17. Mm-hmm. And I joined the 12th, 16th Hunter River Lancers. We were the, um, that's an Army Reserve unit uh, from Armadale running through Tamworth on the Hunter River. And um, uh, in Armadale was the 12th Light Horse, 12th Light Horse being the left flank in the cavalry charge at Bathsheba, right, I you were which say is that. one of my uh, things that I'm very passionate proud about. of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the last great cavalry charges of uh, any conflict. Mm. So, um, yeah, so two years of Army Reserve work, um, loved the environment, did well, drove APCs, and then unfortunately someone decided to put me in the assault troop. <laughs> Wasn't <laughs> too happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was uh, jumping in and out and... Uh, doing more infantry work than anything else. Um, But I finished my schooling, uh, didn't do particularly well in my HSC, and uh, after having worked around the uh, Armadale for approximately 12 months, I decided this is it, I'm going to join the regular regular army. And uh, that's what I did. I went through Kapuka, and I was assigned in those days, you didn't have a choice, you got told where you were going. And uh, I got assigned to the Corps of Signals, went to Watsonia, did my ITs as a radio operator. 
And that was just at the moment where they were uh, putting their operational deployment force together, which was the 3rd Brigade in Townsville. And, of course, they needed radio ops up there, so that's where I was posted. Right. And I spent the rest of my uh, three-year um, contract mm-hmm. uh, with 103 Signal Squadron up there, yeah. How did you find the move to Townsville? If you're a New South Welsh sort of, maybe not born but bred, how did you find the move to uh, Townsville? Uh, well, I couldn't believe how big Australia was for a start. Yep. Uh, I'd never been north of Brisbane before I went to Townsville. and It was just a hell of a drive, especially the horror stretch between Rockhampton and Mackay. And... Um, and then, of course, the heat. It took me quite a long time to get used to the heat. And uh, funnily enough, I think I, I reached a sort of an optimum uh, level of heat capability, if you like. Mm. And then uh, I started going downhill and I, I managed the heat um, less and less. As, as time went on, yeah. Managed it less? Yes, yeah. I think probably the last year I, I suffered from the heat up there more than I did for the first <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah. Work it out, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then so uh, after Townsville, what was, uh, what was in store for you after that? All right. Well, um, I um, elected to discharge in Inogra. Firstly, uh, I was... Um, a good soldier, and I was made up to uh, Lance Corporal, and I was running my own radio detachment out of 103, and uh, they wanted me to stay, and they wanted to give me a second stripe, and uh, they actually sent me on an op keyboard conversion course, even though I didn't promise I'd stay in before I went. And, um, and I left because... Um, do you want me to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. All right, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, every time I came back from um, my annual furlough leave, I would uh, feel like I'd have to put uh, my real self into a little compartment and take out my military self. Mm. And um, I didn't feel that that was being particularly true to me. And uh, the other major thing the most important thing to me was i couldn't bear that my life was uh so easily controlled by people that i had absolutely no respect for (laughs) (laughs) and we had a very difficult troop sergeant for a year and a half who just made everybody's life miserable Mm -hmm. not me in particular uh a lot of young men worse than me but um you know i caught my fair share but just being there was miserable. Yeah. You know, and the fact that he could do that yeah. uh, and make my life so difficult was um, I mean, people who was are, not acceptable to me. Yeah. People who are fairly unconscious individuals have the ability to make calls that affect the quality of your life. Well, you have to understand that the, a lot of the senior NCOs that were in the army at that time were actually Vietnam veterans because we're um, talking about the early 80s here. Mm. And uh, these were very damaged guys. Yeah. You know, yeah, and they had a lot of issues. Uh, probably they weren't being addressed. Well, weren't being. I can addressed. assure you, they weren't yeah. being addressed. Yep. yep. And um, yeah, so we had we we copped it. 
basically. Yeah, yeah. we wore it. Yep. And um, it's just one of those unfortunate circumstances, yeah. And was that kind of the beginning of the end for you? Uh, that was the main reason that I left, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that and the fact that I, I, I felt I just couldn't be me. Yep. It, it wasn't me. I loved soldiering. I had a great time up there. I was good at it. Um, uh, I loved my friends. I loved the troop. Uh, I loved my unit. Uh, and I loved going around North Queensland. We, we covered every square inch of that place up there. That was fantastic. While the rest of the army were languishing in barracks with no petrol or you know no money to conduct exercises, we were out. <laughs> we were out nine months of the year, and in fact, it was nearly almost an overload. You know, this is the eighties where no one was going anywhere or doing anything, wasn't it? In terms it, of operations, anyway. It was that intense <laughs> period in the army where they did a lot of navel gazing after the <laughs> debacle of <laughs> Vietnam. Gotcha, yes, gotcha. Very much so. Yes, yeah, very much so. Fantastic. And then sort of uh, fast-forwarding from there, you, you did the, you did make the decision to get out. Um, how long did you do in total? How many years were you in full-time? Full-time, uh, I was in for three years. Okay. I signed a three-year contract. And it was two years of reserves prior to that. And two years yep. prior. Okay. Yes, yes, that's right. And so at the point of separating, did you have a robust sort of plan in place or was it just hit the ejection seat and just hope that everything lands where you wanted it to? Yes, at the time... There were some jobs that a radio operator could uh, do in Australia, but not many. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marine radio, I think, was probably the most um, uh, applicable translation of my skills. Um, But when I got out, I I found that that was, you know, they they didn't want any or need any. Um, I tried security. Um, I tried uh, even tried Asia. <laughs> yep, yep. But they they only wanted people with uh, degrees, a bachelor degree, yeah, mm-hmm. of some sort. So um, I went on a holiday, and then I went to Sydney and and basically looked for work. Um, didn't find anything meaningful, so I uh, messed around until my money ran out, and then I actually did reapply to um, get back in, mm-hmm. and um, uh, but while the, my application was being assessed, I, I decided no, I'll I'll stop and I'll go go to university instead. Okay. So um, so that's what I did. I became a computer programmer. Well, okay. Yeah. And what, four-year degree? That was a three-year degree. Three-year degree. Three-year yep. degree at the time, yes, yes. So, um, uh, yes, I'm eternally grateful that I um, decided not to go back into the army. Uh, they wrote to me asking for um, clarifications here, there, and I wrote back saying, look, I've changed my mind. Thanks very much. <laughs> yep. uh, Once is enough. I think once you make that decision, it is important to stick to it. It is. Uh, leaving is terribly hard. Even after three years, you're coming out of a total institution and uh, getting out of the army is a scary business. Yeah. You know, and 
most of the people that I encouraged to leave when their contracts came up for renewal, which is the only time you ever have any leverage over the army <laughs> if they want to keep you. Yeah. Um, most of them ended up um, swearing they'd leave, but they signed on again for another three-year period or six years or whatever it was they wanted to sign up for. Mm-hmm. And um, when I asked them why, they just explained that they'd never had any family but the army and um, leaving was just too scary. Yep. And it was scary for me after even yep. the three years, you know. I had uh, grave doubts at how I would cope with being a civilian again <laughs> and were those fears based on reintegration finding a new peer network financial what, what was the or being able to restart a career uh it was basically uh, a fear of uh it was a social fear uh, how would i cope with um uh, dealing with civilians at a social level yep because uh, the army Social experience is just vastly different. <laughs> it's putting it lightly. Yep. Yes, putting it mildly. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, so my my fear was how on earth was I going to fit back in into a civilian structure after mm. living in what you'd call sociologically a total institution, <laughs> like a jail or Pretty much. you know, yeah. some other institution yeah. like that. So uh, you've heard of people reoffending just so they can get back into jail because <laughs> that's what they're used to and, you know, they know the rules, they know their place, they know yeah. how. You know, and the army was very much like that. It was very, socially it was very easy to, to fit into the army because once you learn the social rules there, yep. all you had to do was follow them. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing very challenging would come along to... Uh, um, Pretty black and white. Yes, it was very black and white. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yep, yep. And so how did you uh, reconcile that? What was your strategy for becoming more integrated on a social level in civilian society? Uh, well, it was difficult. Um, I moved down from Townsville to Inogra Barracks and... Uh, the most boring period of my life, which was picking up leaves for four weeks uh, and just keeping out of people's ways. I mean, we'd find places to hide after we'd picked up our leaves, you know. This is when you're still in defence? or I was still in defence. Okay. I was in the discharge cells, right. yeah. I mean, they were just trying to milk every last crappy job they could yeah. leave on the <laughs> way out. That's right. So we all had our, uh, you know... Leaf picking skills, uh, well, well highly, honed, highly practiced <laughs> by the time we left. Yeah, yeah. and um, then on the last day, we got our final interview, and uh, yeah, they just basically slung us out in our ear and said, "If you muck up before midnight, you're still in the army. We're going to come and put you in the slammer." So, um, you know, that was the only advice I got. <laughs> <laughs> that was a transition <laughs> seminar right there. That's right, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, for around about 40 years, I never, never had anything to do with the army yep. uh, again. Wow. I didn't go back to reserves. 
Um, I was asked actually when I got to university, do I want to, you know, yeah. at university they're like they're, they're training officers for, yeah. you know. Um, but I had absolutely zero desire to get back into it. And um, uh, I didn't see anyone from my unit or have anything to do with anyone in a military, uh, military sense for um, about 40 years. Wow, okay. Does that include uh, Anzac Day and stuff like that? Uh, Anzac Day, I didn't go to. Wow. Yes. Interesting. Um, things were slightly different then. Uh, I didn't qualify for any sort of a service medal mm-hmm. because I hadn't, just done a different a, time. hadn't done enough. Yeah, there were different... There were different um, uh, qualification um, criteria for uh, getting a service medal back in those days. So I guess I didn't feel like I had the right to get out there and march as someone who, you know, mm. uh, done service for their country. So, um, which, you, I, which you did do, but uh, just not operationally. I mean, it's still. Which yeah. I did do, yes, yeah, yeah not operationally, but. Um, which probably you know, I made the promise and I walked the walk. Yep. You did, you did your Rosso. You did your Rosso, your return of service obligation. It's the, the period of time that you signed up for. Absolutely, yep. yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, we very, very nearly got sent to uh, the Falklands. Falklands, so we're, yeah. We were all palletized up, ready to rock and roll, but uh, it didn't happen. So that was our opportunity for operational service. Yeah, I think only a handful of Australians went on that, a couple of drivers and... Yes. Wasn't many. No. It wasn't many. No, not many at all. Handful. And I, th- I think they were um, attached to the, to the British Army at Would the have time. Been. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely a British led. So, um, anyway, um, uh, my transition out of the Army was uh, cold turkey. Wow, that's real cold turkey. That's like that's big really time. Like, yeah, 40 big, years of. Yeah. Big time cold turkey, 40 <laughs> years. Yeah. By the end of 40 years, uh, you know, the black dogs definitely uh, had time to grow in the basement mm-hmm. and were, were uh, chomping to get out. Well, tell us and about that. Tell us about that, that sort of, how that grew. Well, it grew without me really realising mm. uh, what was happening. Um, I had quite a lot of stresses in my life at the time. I was, uh, I eventually became a high school teacher, which is... A very stressful job. Yep. Uh, dealing with kids in any way, shape or form for, you know, five or six hours a day is not an easy thing to do. No. And um, then, of course, the uh, leadership teams were just absolutely laughable mm. uh, in, by comparison with my experience out in industry mm-hmm. uh, where I'd worked for... Ten or so years as a as a programmer. professional computer programmer. Yes, um, my first leadership team meeting when I became a a, a teacher, I, I really thought it was some sort of practical joke. <laughs> I thought someone had a hidden camera somewhere. You're on candid camera, and I was looking around at the other people at the meeting. You know, could I see any smiles yeah, yeah. or you know sideways looks? Is he buying this or whatever? And no, they were all quite serious, and uh, to my horror, I realised I was back in an institution. 
Um, and, and what were you teaching? Something computer related? Or? Oh, yes. Yeah. IT and maths were my two sure. uh, curriculum areas. Mm-hmm. Having had uh, a tough, abusive childhood, having been in the army for five years, um, where everything's highly regimented and structured and whatever, uh, then having been a backroom boy, you know, programming in the half light in a, <laughs> in a squalid garret somewhere. In the bowels of the, <laughs> yeah, the bowels of the company. <laughs> um, I was completely unprepared for uh, dealing with children and it took me a long time to learn how to do. And it was not an easy job at all uh, and it was a stressful job. And I still, even though I haven't worked as a teacher now for uh, nearly two years... Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have the occasional nightmare about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. E- even though by the end of my 16 years, oh. being with the kids was the only reason I'd go to work. Wow, you that's know. a big shift. Yeah, big shift, yeah. Mm. Uh, just loved them in the end, yeah. Just loved them. Had a great time with them. What was the genesis of the idea to go from industry working as a programmer to become a teacher? Uh, it was basically I hit a ceiling. I didn't even realise that there was a ceiling there, but nobody wants to um, nobody wants to employ a forty plus year old programmer. By the time you get to that age, you have to have specialised into some sort of area, cyber security or database management or something. Mm-hmm. You had to have become a specialist in that area for your uh, career to progress at all. And um, I was living in the UK at the time and uh, working for a company in the Midlands, quite a big manufacturing company. But this particular arm of their manufacturing company uh, went bankrupt. And um, after three years of working with them, um, I was out of a job after two weeks. And, of course, I did a lot of uh, resume sending um, uh, London, anywhere, anywhere. And uh, I just never got one reply back from anyone, apart from some Scotsman up in the wilds of <laughs> <laughs> the wilds of the western Western Highlands yeah. in Fort William, who wanted to offer me a job <laughs> for about twelve and a half thousand pounds, which I'm not even sure you can live on that small amount of money. Yeah. Anywhere in the UK, so uh, I gracefully declined their offer. Uh, but uh, no one else showed any interest at all in me, and that was because I'd hit that glass ceiling of being yep. over 40 years yep. old and not specialised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a good think about it. I had uh, I did some different work for around about six months, and um, I had a good think about it, and I thought, well, maybe um, a change from... Computing would be uh, good, a yep. good thing, yep. because uh, even you know that that industry is very competitive and uh, it's just changing all the time. You can't you can't stop still. You're you're always having to retrain, mm. even on the on the same products that you might be experts at. You know, they bring out the next release, and you just got to go and do a course and learn what's new, and and uh, it's nonstop. I heard, uh, was it, I think it was Microsoft or some companies use this term diner babies. They were talking about like older programs, older you know, tech guys. Just, they just wanted to 
move on in place of new graduates, you know, coming through. But, I mean, technology's changing, but I'd imagine that, uh, you know, guys are still keeping up with it. It's definitely an ageist, ageist sort of paradigm there, I think. It certainly is, and it, mm. it, it does depend a lot on your uh, enthusiasm and the amount of energy you've got to spend on it as well, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. If you want to treat it just as a job rather than as your, you know, your interest and your hobby and your mm. um, uh, something that you pursue after work as well, then um, the, the writing's on the wall for you really because gotcha. sooner yeah. or later you're just going to be pushed out by someone who's just so much smarter and savvier, and savvier than you, yeah. Some young thruster, yep, yep. Absolutely, and there's <laughs> Plenty just of them. so many coming through, <laughs> yes. So uh, I decided, okay, well, we're going to have a sea change and uh, um, I initially wanted to work at a primary school level, but somehow I got put into a high school level. Yep. And um, which I was actually ended up being rather glad about. Yep. Because uh, primary school level kids just cry so easily and all the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whereas, and that's another three, <laughs> three year degree to get that as well? It uh, wasn't quite three years. It was two years because uh, you're done, you're it was a graduate entry. Gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. So, yes. Wow. Okay. And uh, then became the the odyssey of learning how to deal with children and how to teach them. Yeah. Amazing. Which was a massive journey. Yep. But, um, and a lot of stresses there from all sides. Sounds like it if you're still getting nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess... You, you said there was a f- essentially a forty year gap between you know anything military related and, and sort of now. What, what sort of drew you to a program like this? What, why have you sort okay. of come out of the shadows, as it were, to potentially slay a few dragons or whatever it is you, you're yes, here to do? Okay, yeah. well, yep. um, I, I married a girl from Sri Lanka. I'd had girls from diff- different ethnic backgrounds, uh, girlfriends from different ethnic backgrounds. But that always had a Western upbringing. Um, my wife grew up in Sri Lanka, and uh, she was just steeped in Sri Lankan culture, and it is pretty different to ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that she insisted I do was um, not go into Facebook because she was just uh, terrified that I would. Uh, contact old girlfriends and um, and I don't know what I was supposed to do with do with them, but she didn't want me to to do that at all. So, but eventually, as she became uh, a little more westernized and came to trust me more, she, eventually she said, "Okay, um, you can get yourself a Facebook account." <laughs> and uh, so I went looking for some of my old uh, veteran friends. Uh, All right. Found uh, them. See where this is going. Yep. Yep. Found them between uh, the uh, the pressures of my uh, abusive childhood, um, very stressful job, and a difficult marriage, which was also abusive. Um, I reached the end of my rope about three years ago, and um, by that stage, having contacted some of my um, ex-veteran friends I started learning about things like 
the white card and some of the services that were now available to veterans, uh, which certainly weren't around when I was when I uh, discharged. Yep. And uh, so using those um, uh, tools that were available to me, I found out about the Veterans Health Association here at Narang on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And I went down to just introduce myself and uh, then to join and then to start a program. And uh, the first three times I went to see them, I just couldn't stop crying. <laughs> I could not stop crying. Wow. After 40 years, the reconnection was such a relief, such a relief mm. that I – and I didn't really even know what I was looking for. Mm. But I certainly hit the nail on the head when I went to the Veterans Health Association and, and reconnected with uh, other veterans. And I realise now that that's something I always have to do for my health. I can't live my life now without being part of some sort of a veteran uh, community in some way, shape or form because uh, it's all so deeply entrenched, Mm -hmm. you know. It's all so deeply entrenched. Uh, When they train you, rather, they really train you. (laughs) (laughs) It goes very, very deep. Um, so uh, it's it's one of the few communities that I well one of two communities that I I feel um, relaxed in. That's good, you know. That's that's. Oh. It must have been such a relief, as you say, because I mean, oh. forty years of just, I guess, burying stuff down and uh, isolating yourself, at least from that environment anyway, yes. to just suddenly get back into it. Hey, it's it's not all bad, you know. That that sort of. Yeah. It was a major, major relief. Yeah. And it, yeah. it really saved my life at the time. Okay. Yeah. That, that's how at the end of my rope I was. Wow. I was pretty desperate. And, um, yeah, and I'm eternally grateful. And here you are. For being given the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and in terms of, uh, I guess, bringing it back right to the, to the present, uh, what has been... What we say, uh, or what we call your team or awakening, what's been your biggest takeaway? I'm sure there's been a few over the last few days. Yeah. Um, it's been a very amazing experience, really. And um, uh, the second day, I think, um, I was uh, attending a seminar on relationships. Mm-hmm. I suddenly had an awakening, if you want to hear. Use the same terminology as to uh, some of the dynamics of my childhood um, and uh, the way that affected my relationships with everyone, really, mm. especially women, because I had a, a rather abusive mother, narcissistic mother, and um, I got a very deep insight into one aspect of uh, how that had affected me and um, yeah that really put me on my bottom Uh, I had to do a lot of processing and uh, a lot of sorting out in my mind with help from some of the people here and uh, the good thing about having your eyes opened in that particular way is that I now have a path forward to deal with 
with those very deep psychological issues from the, okay. from uh, my childhood. Um, a flare's been shot up, and now it's on. Yeah, you've you've identified it and labelled it now, and now it's the opportunity to go and actually address it. Absolutely, yep. yes, yep. yeah. I and, think, and that's yeah. that's worth so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 this. I guess the aim of these programs over the shock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the aim of these programs and and ones like it is not necessarily to solve everyone's problems, but perhaps to get people to potentially face and label and name and come to terms with discover that it's there yeah and then yeah. you, then you, then you make a discovery <laughs> in <right>. yourself <laughs> you, you have a, a recognition say so yeah. gosh that sounds familiar yeah oh yes that, that, that's, that's I, the thing i can yeah. i can see how all that works now <laughs> and i can see how that's been a yep. a theme you know a thread through my life and uh um now i have the opportunity to fix it you know, and reintegrate all yeah. that all that energy that I've put uh, it, into something that's inherently negative, mm-hmm. and have done for Ever. since I was a young boy. Yeah. Now I can bring that all back, reintegrate all that energy back into myself, and um, uh, hopefully lead a much calmer, happier life. Yeah. And on that topic, what's uh, before we consider wrapping up? What's what's next for you? So in the short term, in the short term. Um, Okay, uh, well, my life is at a stage now where I have uh, been granted TPI pension from the DVA since I unraveled three years ago and I found the DVA and started to knit my life back together again. Um, I never really got back to a place where I was able to um, function fully or successfully in the teaching environment again. And um, I uh, decided to apply for a, a TPI pension okay. and, um, and I've been given one. So again, I look at that as a, as a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to spend time working on myself, mm-hmm. healing myself, mm-hmm. and also doing uh, something which I'm very passionate about, which is working for humanity and uh you know making things better in the world generally uh, especially for disadvantaged kids kids that need a good a, a better start in life amazing you know so that's that's my uh short my short my short term goals mm. get all my stuff sorted out here um uh get everything set up for me to be able to get out and help people really yeah. and uh you know, being able to get up and move around the world easily mm-hmm. and um, uh, follow my interests, follow the inner path, uh, my own learnings and my own inner path, my own inner journey, who I am and what I'm about and uh, helping humanity. Yeah, that's what, that's what I want to do. And Timor Awakening, well, what can you say? How uh, far do you have to travel to find <laughs> You know, something good to be involved in when yep. humanity is being helped. I yep. mean, it, right here in front of your face. There, <laughs> it's happening everywhere. There's, yep. there's uh, kids being educated. There are people being lifted out of poverty. And, mm. you know, education, of course, is the key to, to a, long-term, yeah. a long-term benefit for these kids, yeah, uh, to the society, yeah. So uh, I'll... Looking forward to getting involved in some way, shape, or form uh, with the 
this that, that that whole program as well. And I have a few other things in mind. Yeah. You know, this is this is here. This is now. This is reachable, doable. Yep. And it sounds like it's the right time. And it's definitely the right time for me now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky. I really do count my blessings of being um, given this TPI pension at the age of 60 where I'm still, uh, you know, relatively vigorous and have energy to yep. uh, share and expand and, uh, you know, all my teaching experience is still pretty fresh in my mind so I can uh, help out. Absolutely. Uh, I think make a contribution. Those skills are very useful. Hugely useful. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, my friend, thank you so much for everything you shared there. Some really, really key insights. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, you know, the next few years, uh, what the next few years of your life looks like and how the humanities piece uh, unravels. Uh, So am I, my friend. (laughs) It is quite a journey. Uh, When you start getting down into those really dark corners of your life and find out what's in there and, uh, thankfully, begin being given the opportunity to heal, mm. and then also being given the opportunity to uh, serve, mm-hmm. uh, serve and help again. It's a it's a wonderful thing, and I'm really looking forward to the next few years as well. Fantastic! All right, mate. Thank you so much for that. We'll wrap up there and uh, enjoy the rest of the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au and we do of course encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it thank you so much and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast bye for now